0: Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Irene Williams at Feisty Side of Fifty Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. But we've been through some rough times as of late and could really use a big dose of inspiration and someone who could motivate us to get off of the couch and make the most of our lives. You are about to meet that someone, and boy, is this lady motivating. Our guest, Bertie Simmons, is a powerhouse of energy and inspiration. Now in her 80s, Bertie has enjoyed a legendary career as an educator and activist in the Houston area where her life's mission has been to lift others up and help them achieve dreams. That went far beyond their original life circumstances. Bertie's joining us today to share about her own life and her memoir called Whispers of Hope The Story of My Life. And in it, she tells of growing up in the Deep South, her award winning career as an educator, and her most memorable role as principal of a, and I am quoting here, throw away high school and by the way that school was also known as a pipeline to prison but not only did Bertie reroute that pipeline but her efforts culminated in the school being awarded a 10 million dollar grant for reimagining high school education this is such a fascinating story i can't wait to find out more so welcome Bertie. oh thank you
1: thank you for having me on your show
0: Well, I want to say in the introduction, of course, I mentioned that uh, after, you know, COVID and quarantine and all the rest (laughs) of the crummy news out there, we could use (laughs) a little bit of a a kick in the bottom to get off the couch and make ourselves feel great. So I think you are the person to do that. And let's begin by you, if you don't mind, sharing a little bit about your story, your background, and some of the ways that you made such a difference in the lives of your students.
1: Well, uh, my background was I was born in uh, North Louisiana during the Jim Crow era, and uh, also it was during the Great Depression, so we were very poor. But I had a relationship with a friend, uh, Dorothy McGuire. I'm white, and she she happened to be black. And uh, we were 15 years old, and that relationship with her completely changed my life <clears throat> and uh, I was determined to spend the rest of my life fighting for social justice and wow. as a result of that it's taken me to a lot of places and I've done a a, a lot of things as a result of that that relationship even though I, I lost her friendship when she moved but and I never saw Dorothy again <laughs> but it it still influenced uh my whole life and the person that I became and am today isn't that wonderful and then,
0: of course, you went into education uh but as i' mentioned uh your your life's work kind of culminated <laughs> in this rather surprising move you had just told me before we went on air it was you were actually the Oldest principal, I think you said, in the country.
1: <laughs> and, boy, yes. did you
0: have a challenging school.
1: That I did. Uh, it was a not only, it was called the throwaway School by parents and students, and it was a direct pipeline from high school to prison. And the state had labeled it as a do- dropout factory. And it was gang-infested. And we had 17 identified gangs. On that campus when I went there And to tell you the truth I had no clue what to do And I would not be truthful If I told you I had a plan When I went there And I didn't All I knew was I was going to do the best I could Because I had just lost A 16 year old granddaughter In a, a skiing accident And she often hmm. said to me "Nana, tell me the story about Dorothy and I would tell her, and she would say, Nana, I'm going to grow up and make the world a better place for all people. And she couldn't do that because she died in a skiing accident. So the third time they called me to go to that school, I said, I'm going to go and see what I can do, and maybe I could do it and leave the legacy for my granddaughter. So that's really why I went.
0: Oh, that's such a, I mean, an inspirational story, and again, I'd mentioned before when we were chatting prior to going on air, you're giving me goosebumps. You just gave me great big goosebumps, How, What a wonderful (laughs) thing to do to serve, to make such a difference in in the name of your grandchild. I mean, wow. But, boy... uh, I think, as I said, opening the door to that school, not having any idea what you were getting into, and then as a mature, we'll say the word mature, a white woman, <laughs> you were faced with all sorts of issues that you probably hadn't encountered before.
1: Well, I'd never had experiences like that before. When I was an old, old woman when I went there. Actually, was, I wasn't elderly like I am now, but I was 50. 56 years old 59 years old and uh, when I uh, went there I uh, thought my goodness I had been retired 5 years so I I went there and promised them 3 months (laughs) and I stayed 17 years there so when I left I was the oldest principal in America and I was identified that way several times from television stations that came out to interview. <laughs> well, everybody's got your 15 minutes
0: of fame lasted a lot longer than that, Bertie. But <laughs> one of the things that you did fairly early on, which I thought so innovative, so smart, and really truly made a difference, <laughs> is you took several students on a field trip. So tell us about that.
1: Well, what happened is one day I came in from a meeting in central office, and there was a riot on campus, which was not unusual and because we couldn't have any assemblies or after-school activities because of fighting, but this was a huge riot for every kid and all that were involved, and when I approached the building, they were taking uh, police officers and students and teachers away in ambulances because they had been injured. <sighs> And I was going <clears> to <throat> tell you the truth. I had no clue what I was going to do when I entered that building. But I got there, and <clears throat> my assistant principals were sending 32 gangsters to an alternative school just to get them off campus. And I said, I'm not going to do that <clears throat> because we've done that over and over and over, and it never changed their behavior. Matter of fact, they came back worse. So I said, and we do that in edu- we did that on education a lot. So I said I'm not going to do it, and my assistant principal said you will probably be fired. And I said that might be a blessing. And so uh, <laughs> then a, another thing that you never do is to bring warring gang members together. And so I told them I was going to have a meeting with all 32 of those kids at one time. And they said, now I know you're going to be fired. So I said, I don't, you know, let them fire me because they called an old white woman to go into a minority school. So I must do what I think is right for these kids. And I called them together. And they spent a lot of time mean-mugging each other and mean-mugging me. And I was at a loss as how you mean-mug back. But I finally got them talking. And they revealed something to me that was just astounding. This was right after 9-11. And they told me that they did not believe that 9-11 had actually happened, that actually it was the government trying to fool them because they were poor and minority. And so I said, I know what happened. And one kid said, Miss, if you believe that, you're dumber than we are. But anyway, I asked them if I would take them to New York to show them ground zero. Would they then have more trust in me and in the system? And there was dead silence. And finally, one kid said, Miss, would you drive us? And I said, No, I can't drive you. Know, I'm an old woman, and you're a bunch of thugs. And I don't even know why <laughs> I call them thugs, but they love that. I think because an old white woman was calling you a thug. And so uh, I said, I can't do that. We'll have to fly. Well, they were all afraid to fly, and that made me love them even more because they wow. had tattoos all over them. and had, They were so tough, and yet they revealed to me that they were afraid to fly. And, of course, I had difficulty finding funds to take them to New York, But um, and, and the district told me, no, people are going to think you're crazy. I would keep that very quiet. And then the teachers at the school said I was rewarding their wrong behavior that I should be taking to good students. We only had nine in in the National Arts Society, but I was able to raise enough money to take all nine of them plus 32 gangsters in New York. And it was because I'd been working with consultants. One of them was the mother of John Stewart in Comedy Central. And I started getting money when they learned I was trying to do that. Got money from everywhere, so I took all of oh. them to New York, and they saw Ground Zero. And I took them to a Broadway play. It was Forty Second Street, and oh um, we we had absolutely no trouble. If I had time, I'll tell you a little funny thing. I, you know, that little chapel there. I walked in the back of it, and they were all kneeling at the altar. And then they came up, and one kid uh, said to me, Miss, I bet, bet you didn't know that we prayed. And I said, sure, I did. I'll bet you're praying for family and friends that people lost here at uh, this place. And he said, no, Miss, we are praying that that plane will not crash on the way back to Houston.
0: Oh, so, my
1: gosh. But it did not, and we got back to Houston, and we never had gang fights after that. They took care of me, and they they did something. They would. They, I worked until from 6.30 in the morning until 6.30 at night. So I was there until after dawn. And they started hanging around to walk me to the car. And one night oh, they were walking out there, and they said, uh, Miss, the teachers are trying to pay us to key your car. And I said, maybe you don't have to worry about that. I keep my keys in my purse. And they said, Miss, if you're going to live on this side of town, you need to learn the lingo. And I didn't know what keying a car was. But I learned what keying a car was. But anyway, I I had uh, 17 years of a love affair out there with those students and the parents. And at the end we did win a ten million dollar grant from Lauren Powell jobs to rethink high schools. So Wow Bertie,
0: what I mean, talk about an inspirational story and to, you know, to think that those those kids that you took to New York may not have been further than, you know, or farther away than 20 miles from their home at the most. To get on a oh, plane, yeah. to go to New York, to see a play, you must have opened their eyes and really inspired
1: them. Well, it changed their lives because uh, all of them except one graduated, and they had really never thought that they could graduate, you know, the school. Was labeled a dropout factory, and so they. I still have. They they call me today, even grandmothers and parents call me. And but it was because we had such a deep relationship with all the. I knew every student. I had fourteen hundred kids, but I knew each one of them by name and by need, and I had gone to their houses and visited with their parents. So I knew all of them. So we were like a big family, and uh, it was in a side of town that was uh, Hispanic and black with maybe two whites. But uh, I, I just fell in love with him, and I went there to make it better for them. And because of my granddaughter's death, they actually saved my life because when I went there, I was in deep depression, and they helped me to live a better life and to help me to live the life I wanted to live.
0: Well, I was wondering if we could get some inspiring stories today, and boy, did you deliver, Bertie. And I think you're right. I think... uh, I know you, I want to mention your website because, boy, you've got videos on there. You have a video of a TED Talk where you were starting out about talking about aging, and it became the sounds of silence and how we need one another. And, of course, with the quarantine, that can be a little difficult. But hearing stories like yours, I mean, my gosh, you know the the answer to, you know, bringing happiness into your own life, and that's doing for others.
1: Exactly, yes. And I think even today with this quarantine, that it's necessary we do that. And I reach out to, especially if a person is living along, and I know that I reach out to those individuals and talk to them and let them know I care about them. And I think that makes all the difference, even today, with, with the fact that we're quarantined so often. But um, I, I think my goal has been to make the world a better place for all people, uh, because that's what my granddaughter wanted so badly.
0: Wow. Well, well, I've mentioned your website a few times, so please let our listeners know where they can go to find out more about you, see these wonderful, lively, informative, and inspiring videos. And, of course, I know you also write blog posts. So let our <coughs> listeners know where they can find out more about you and, of course, get this wonderful book, too, Whispers of Hope. <clears throat> Look
1: Look at Bertie, B-E-R-T-I-E, Simmons, dot com. That will take you to my website. And then all this information you can get about my life. And you, I'm 86 years old today, and I'm still involved with a lot of groups working on problems in our society today. Well,
0: well, that is wonderful, and I want to say before we have to close, um, you um, one of the videos, I don't mean to spring this on you, but you provided your definition of success. Do you remember what that is, and do you want to share it with us? Well,
1: I don't know what I said at that time, but I know that I've been striving to create a better world for all people Yeah. and to do as much as I could uh, to help people to, to live their lives that they, the lives that they wanted to live and I, I don't recall what I said because they made, I made so many of those things but it's always been centrally that well
0: that and you said living a life of joy by sharing again it, repeating just what you just said but and you felt uh-huh. that your life also was joyous because you'd had that opportunity to change and touch so many other lives
1: well I think you're right and I don't know as many, uh, many people as I had as. Love relationship with all those people that I knew nothing about before, and all of us became better human beings. And that was all because of my 16 year old granddaughter who died in this So, and I do live a joyful life today. Well, I think it, Birdie, it should be about bringing joy.
0: Yes, and I want to tell you, it has been a delight. You have brought a ton of joy to me today, and I'm sure uh, that anybody who listens to this show will feel the same way. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, and also, uh, thank you so much for all you did in the name of so many of us who don't have that opportunity to do and touch as many lives as you.
1: Boy, you are something. Well, thank you so much for having me, and have a wonderful day. A joyous. You thing. too.
0: And I urge everyone out there, please do check out Bertie's website. Again, it's Birdie B E R T I E Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S dot com. It's got filled with videos and, of course, her wonderful book, Whispers of Hope. We could all use some inspiration, and this delay delivers it big time, as you have just heard. And while you're at it, don't forget to go out there and show the world just how feisty a woman over 50 can be. This is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye